When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. What's up, friends? Before we hop into the show, I got to tell you about the most universal mattress on the planet. It's from our friends over at Snooze Sleep, and they've created the Snooze Flip Mattress, which is a four-in-one mattress. And you say, well, how can a mattress be four-in-one? Well, one side is soft. The other side of the mattress is firm, so you can flip it to the side that fits your body best. And it also has a reversible cover with one side being five degrees cooler than the other side, You could, so you can have one side that's warm, one side that's cool. You can mix and match with whether you want a firm or a soft part of the mattress, and boom, there you go. You can create the mattress that fits exactly what you want. And on top of that, they're a Colorado-based company, and you guys know how supporting Colorado businesses is important to us, and they're built for the world. So wherever you are, you can get one by going over to snoozesleep.com, and when you're there, use the code DNVR, and you'll get $250 off a mattress and $250 off an adjustable base for a savings of $500 on a queen mattress. And if you want a king, they'll double it. $500 off an adjustable base and $500 off a mattress with savings up to $1,000 by using that code DNVR over at snoozesleep.com. We're not doing any snooze in here. So Mace, let's hop into the show. Broncos podcast on this magnificent Monday, a Black Monday potentially in the NFL. But before we get into that, I'm your host, Zach Stevens, joined by my man, Andrew Mason. And before we hop into today's show, I got to give a shout out to our presenting sponsor, MSU Denver Online. Over at MSU Denver Online, they offer a dynamic education without costing you to stop the rest of your life. You can continue to work your job and get an education, whether that's taking one class, whether that is graduating, you can do it all over at MSU Denver Online. And right now, they are offering everyone a chance to waive their application fee. All you have to do is use the code DNVR Sports over at MSU Denver right now, and you will get the application fee waived. So check them out for whatever you want to do because it's affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. So check them out over at MSU Denver Online. My boy, Mace, welcome back to Colorado, my friend. Good to be back. A well-traveled weekend, a couple of flight delays. It's good to be home. Good to be home, though. Good to be back looking out, seeing a beautiful sunny day here in the Mile High City. Yes, the Broncos may be done for the season, but the sun did come up and it came up gloriously here in Colorado. What more can we really ask for? (laughs) Well, a lot of people say Broncos wins, a different head coach, more wins. uh, I'm trying to be positive here, though, trying to get the positive vibes going despite. I like everything. That. There's, there's still reasons to <laughs> smile, even though in Broncos country, it's it's grim. It's understandably so, because the hopes and dreams of another season are on the ash heap. 
Yeah, I mean, Mace, we, we all know that the Broncos mm-hmm. have a point, less than a 0.1% chance to make the playoffs. I thought last night, I said, okay, let's see if everything goes right. Let's see if they beat the Chargers, they beat the Chiefs. What their percentages are then? Do you know what their percentages are then? About two. 0.9%. Oh my gosh. I mean, <laughs> so, I mean I, if the Broncos uh, win out, it's still less than a percent. I know the New York Times posted something about what actually needed to happen. Because I was... I was sitting there last night about to take off and I just kind of, and I'm like, and I, and I start futzing around with the, um, with the 538 playoff simulators. See, okay. If this, this result happens, this, this, what gets the Broncos to a check mark. And uh, I mean, yeah, everything could happen, but in this wacky, unpredictable NFL season, the chances of it happening that specific way are, are, are very slim, are, slim beyond words i mean it maybe it's not one in a million as was said in dumb and dumber but it is very much a so you're telling me there's a chance <laughs> all right we're, we're there right now and Mace, yeah. that's why we're not fooling anyone right. we know that this season is over and patriot text you say how people are upset people mm-hmm. understand that this season is over patriot text already comes in with the super chat hey. which we really appreciate and says Thank season you, is over Fangio has failed. It's time to clean house. Fire today, interview tomorrow. Make deal for Russell Wilson at season's end. Do it now. And Mace is just, I mean, we, we can't wait any further. I want to get your game reactions, but maybe we'll do that after this conversation yeah. because, of course, today is a big day in the coaching search. For the first time, I believe, ever, Mace, the NFL has created a rule where you can begin to interview head coach head coach candidates if you have either one fired your head coach, which two teams have done so far, the Raiders and the Jaguars, or if you have told your head coach that they will not be back next year. So far, we haven't heard of any team doing that yet. So two teams right now can start interviewing potential head coaches. The Denver Broncos are not one of them, but as people have been mad and upset about Vic Fangio, we've said, just wait, there's no reason to do it now until today. Now there would be a reason to move on from your head coach, and that reason is now you can start interviewing head coaches. Right, and I'll I'll say I'm actually... I'm mildly surprised that we haven't seen anything kind of on the surface today that there haven't been moves, but at the same time, let's take a look at teams that are eliminated. Like for example, the giants, they're four and 11, they're done, but the reports came out yesterday that, uh, you know, that they're going to ride with Joe judge for another year. You, the Jaguars, they've already made their move. The jets, they're four and 11. They're not moving on from Robert Sala, uh, after this year. Uh, the, the Texans, you know, they've, they may not move on from David Coley as bad because as shaky as that team has been, there's certainly a lack of talent there, but they showed yesterday, even though the, the charge were decimated by COVID that there's, they can still be a feisty team and rise up and, uh, and play well. And the lions aren't moving on from Dan Campbell at two twelve and, and one right now. I mean, so on the surface, I'm surprised, but at the same time, really with the Raiders and Jaguars having made their moves, there weren't many kind of obvious spots where, you looked at a team that was going to make a move. Frankly, the Broncos probably look like the most obvious candidate, but the fact that mathematically they're still in is probably one reason why George Payton isn't making a move today. And then just, I think he, they, they do want to finish with at least some positive momentum, get a win, get at least a win here from the last couple of games. I know it hurts draft value. I get that. I, I get that. If it were up to me, I'd be fine with them losing, but that's not how they operate within the walls of a building. Right. You're absolutely right about that. And Mace, you've, you've already said a couple of things really <laughs> piqued my interest. Ooh, and so I, I have to just ask the question straight up to you right now. The question of this pod, are the Denver Broncos making a mistake by not firing Vic Fangio today. Well, you know the quote I always like to use in these situations, right? From I do the longtime athletic director at University of Florida, Jeremy Foley, who said, "What should be done eventually must be done immediately." Mm-hmm. If you know that you're making a move, that you're moving on, there is no real tangible reason long term to not make the move today. 
which maybe tells me that George Payton has not come to a decision yet on Vic Fangio's future. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Mace, I, th- I think you hit the nail on the head. Yes. I c- I'm, I'm right there with you. And I didn't want to talk to you about this before the show because I wanted to see where you were, but I'm right there with you. Mm-hmm. The, the If George Payton knows he's going to move on from Vic Fangio, even if he's like 95% sure, he should move on from him today because yes. get get the ball rolling. In fact, we know that there's going to be more than two coaches fired this season. We know that other coaches' heads are going to roll after the season in two weeks. Get a head start on those five other potential teams that haven't fired their head coach yet. Get that head start. Get a good relationship going with whoever you want that next coach to be, Dan Quinn, whoever, Kellen Moore, whoever it is, get that good relationship so that you're locked in, so that once the season ends, once those guys can be officially hired to join your staff, you already have the upper hand. So the fact that Vic Fangio is still here today says that absolutely there is a chance that he is coming back, or else, in my opinion, I think George Payton is not doing this the correct way. And I do think, Mace, that Vic Fangio has a chance to come back. And in the comment section already on YouTube, we have a lot of people saying, no way Vic can be back. Fire him now. And we also have some people saying, Fangio, including Stylin Moose, saying Fangio has never had a good quarterback. It's not fair. He needs to give a, have a good quarterback and continue to run his defense. So some people on both sides of this, and I truly believe that George Payton leans more toward the keep Vic Fangio than most of the fan base here. But there's still two games left for Vic Fangio to either go 7-10 and 10 and end the season on a 4-10 and 10 skid after starting 3-0. and 0. There's also a chance that Vic turns this around. The Broncos get their first winning season since 2016. Yeah, and I think maybe if you're George Payton, you kind of want it to be a clear and easy decision, right? And let's say the Broncos, maybe they don't even lose both of these, but let's let's say they lose one of these next two games. They go, they go 500. They come home at eight and nine, so they're still below 500 for the season. And probably most relevantly, that they would have closed one and three in their last four, two and four in their last six. I think if that ha- if that happens, then I think. Peyton kind of has the clarity to 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 make the call, and then it's not something where he has any doubt. If you do it now, maybe there's there's still some doubt. Maybe you kind of you kind of give Vic one more shot here in in the last couple of games in his mind. And the other thing is George Peyton, I do believe that he operates with a sense of fairness, in that he wants to give somebody like Vic Fangio in his, who's under his stewardship a fair shot and that to George Payton who's you know came up through the scouting com- community very well respected but is regarded as a very as a very fair and open-minded person that in his mind that involves giving a coach the full season and not cutting it off with a couple of of couple of weeks left that I think that's I, I don't mean to play amateur psychologist, Zach, but I do think that is part of what George Payton is thinking here. And so when you say that, do you mean give him a fair shot just to be nice to the guy and let him finish out the season before canning him? Or give him a fair shot by saying, let's see if he can turn this around and finish 9-8 and eight, or even finish 8-9, and nine, and then I'll reevaluate at the end of the season because he's he's got a chance to stick around. A little bit of, a little bit of both, I think. I, I think there's a little bit of both there. Um and I also think George Payton, he understands that the move, the things that he does this year will end up being refl- being reflected and viewed uh, th- by coaches throughout the NFL. And if you are considered to be trigger happy, then maybe some coaches would have pause about working for you. But if you get, let's say you're moving on from Vic Fangio, but you gave him the full season, you gave him the defensive backs that he wanted. We can all go back and listen to that quote from the Broncos video on draft night. He even gave him the quarterback he wanted in Teddy Bridgewater to try to kind of salvage things and, and save his job. So he gave Vic exactly what he asked for. And if it doesn't get done, 
And I think it's exacerbated by the fact that it would it would not have gotten done against a weak schedule. Like I pointed out overnight, the Broncos have, have the uh, the uh, set the worst strength of victory in the AFC, second worst in the NFL, which shows that they got fat off of lesser competition. And I think I think everything will kind of be clear. But I, I don't think Peyton wants that reputation of being somebody who swings a quick axe. I think he wants to have the. I think it, not only he wants to have that reputation, but I think he believes in. He genuinely believes in giving a full a full year and that constituting a fair shot. Yeah, you're right. And so Mace, uh, we know that George Payton is not uh, Rick Spielman uh, of of the general manager that he studied under in in Minnesota for over the past mm-hmm. decade, but that's all we can draw on to learn who George Payton is. Is his time with Minnesota. So he can absolutely be a different person than Spielman and make different decisions as a general manager. But what we can rely on is, and look at is what Rick Spielman and George Payton being his right hand man, what the two of those guys did together over the past five or 10 years in Minnesota. And when Rick Spielman took over as the true general manager of the Vikings in 2012, the Vikings went 10, 10 and six made the playoffs. There was no reason to move on from Leslie Frazier, but they kept him. They, they kept him for a second year. That's going to be better, better circumstances than Vic Fangio has this year, but it's not like he's, they, they were quick to move on from their head coaches after Mike Zimmer's first year with, with uh, the Vikings, they went seven and nine. So they kept him. Then two years later, they went eight and eight. They still kept Mike Zimmer. Two years after that, they went eight, seven and one. They still kept him. Then the past year, or last year, they went seven and nine, still kept Zimmer. And then this year, they're seven and eight, and maybe Zimmer's more on the hot seat than he's really ever been in the past. But what I'm getting at is it's not like he comes from a background where if you have one 500 season or even sub 500 season, you're out of here. That's not George Payton's MO. And as we talked to Vic Fangio today, he really opened up on his job status and his job security saying he doesn't worry about this. But one of the biggest things that he said in my mind was just how fantastic and terrific and tremendous their relationship is between George Payton and Vic Fangio. Now, maybe George Payton has a different idea of how good their relationship is, but from a football standpoint, Mace, I truly believe that those two guys have a really good relationship and with Vic Fangio playing such good defense, especially this year, there's absolutely a case that Vic Fangio is back next year. Now, I'm saying he's absolutely back. No, but if you like Vic Fangio and if George Payton likes Vic Fangio as much as Vic Fangio likes George Payton, you can make an argument to, to bring him back one more year. You can, although I would say this, even though you look on the scoreboard and see 17 points, uh, yesterday, if you look at the defense getting gashed on the ground, uh, that's something that maybe won't reflect very well on Vic Fangio's defense, the way that the Raiders won at the line of scrimmage against the Broncos uh, front seven, and really, as the game went on, had their way against against the Broncos. And and even, even Pat Sertan yesterday didn't have a great day. The Raiders made some plays at, at his expense. I mean, I think... Uh, uh, that game, Zach, was if not you know had the you had the takeaways, which basically kept the Broncos in it. But that game was a lot closer to being 31-6 than what it ended up than uh, a Broncos win, even though it was a, it was a four point game. And you kind of you kind of dive into the, some of the the next level indicators on the defense and. That it was it wasn't a great performance, and you can and you know there are even things like you can look like uh, DVOA on Football Outsiders, and the Broncos are twenty second in DVOA, which is value uh, over average. So, I mean, the defense certainly has some has, certainly has some check marks on its on its bo- on its boxes right now that it's having that's good, but maybe even that isn't quite the unassailable asset for Vic Fangio that if you're trying to make a case for keeping your job, that it might appear to be on the surface. And then Mace, to me, if that's the case, and George Payton is looking at those other numbers outside of leading the league in points given up per game, Mm -hmm. then it's time. It's time to move on from Vic Fangio and and start the search for, for a new head coach now. And one of the reasons also we said, don't be so quick to just fire Vic and fire Pat and fire coaches 
uh, with, you know, five, six, seven games left is because that just puts a big strain on everyone else in the organization. Instead of having a wide receivers coach, now you have an offensive coordinator who's also a head coach, who's also a wide receiver coach. And that just honestly makes it probably for a worse product. But now that the Broncos don't have a chance of making the playoffs, now it is time to start seeing what you have in guys like Zach Azani, to see if Mike Munchak can be uh, the leader that you maybe thought he could have been a couple of years ago when bringing him in. See if he even wants that opportunity. See what type of defensive coordinator Ed Donatel can be if you're going to move on from Vic Fangio. Now is the time to make a move, and because there is no move, it does leave that door open. And I got to say, our chat is popping off yeah. right now. Uh, and, and let's keep it friendly, though. But also, our chat's mm-hmm. popping off in, in the way of people are definitely seeing a possibility where Fangio is back. And other people say there's no way he can be back. Yeah, and it's it's funny. And I think people, some of the people who are seeing a possibility that he's back aren't necessarily thrilled with right. the possibility that, that he'll be back. And honestly, like one of the moments that, kind of gets to me and gets to the core of how there are still these mismanagement issues is what happened in the third quarter, right? Right on a uh, Brent McManus's missed kick. Look, I'm not going to sit here and say McManus looked good by yelling at Fangio after the play. But once again, we see another example of how in terms of in-game management, in terms of its, uh, execution from the sideline, we're seeing things that don't always look as organized and as adaptable as they, they need to be. The decisions aren't always as clear as, as they need to be. It's chaotic. And here we are in gear three talking about that. And it's, and it's fair to say, okay, this part of it, which is within Vic Fangio's control, is this going to get any better at this point? And it's only fair to critique him on this because I know even though I wasn't at DMVR at the time, I was working on the Orange and Blue radio station you we all had those critiques of Vance Joseph in the two yeah. years on the job. So if you're gonna if you're gonna critique Vance Joseph for the game management, you have to call out Vic Fangio for it as well. And and we just keep seeing uh, every so often these examples of this kind of sideline disorganization is popping up over and over again. And once and you see him in a year two, a year three, you don't hold your breath that it's gonna get better. Yeah, I just I keep saying this uh this this quote or not quote this statement many times <laughs> in the past week of fool me once shame on you fool me twice three times four times shame on me and <laughs> that's that that's where we are with Vic Fangio as a game manager right now Mason if you bring him back you are bringing him back to keep the defense great and you're bringing him back with uh, George Payton probably leading the charge on finding a new offensive coordinator. I have to imagine that George Payton would have more of a say than Vic Fangio in bringing in a new offensive coordinator. And yes, there would have to be at least that type of change after the season because the offense, Vic Fangio has admitted it, the, and we all see it, the offense has not been nearly good enough so that would be a change that would happen and then you would also have I would think you'd have to bring in a game manager whether it's an offensive head coach who is your offensive line coach your quarterbacks coach maybe even your offensive coordinator can handle being the game manager as well or you just bring in a guy who stands next to Vic and helps him manage the game because he has proven that he is not that type of coach and and should not be given that much responsibility you'd be bringing him back purely for what he does on defense, which has been very, very good this year. And Mace, we talked to Vic Fangio two hours ago, and he said that he and his staff, one, should absolutely be back next year, and two, that he would absolutely work next year without a contract extension. And I think that's going to be key if he's back. I don't think he's getting a contract extension the way this team is, but that could be a deal breaker for some coaches. Mm-hmm. That that would be going against precedent. So we know that he would be willing to do that. But Mace, is he right? Does he and his staff absolutely deserve to be back in 2022? No, no. Certainly when you say his staff, definitely not. You're going to... You need to move on from Pat Shermer on the offensive side. The problem is if you have a coach in a contract year, it's going to be tough to attract top-level assistance. I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example. That's a good point. A, yeah. You go to a name that everyone in Broncos country knows, John Fox. The year before he came to Denver, he was in a contract year in Carolina. There was non-extension, but – 
Fox and the owner at the time, Jerry Richardson, were basically engaged in a staring contest on the playground, so to speak. Fox wasn't going to resign. Jerry Richardson did not want to write a check for somebody to not be his coach with the lockout looming in 2011. And so you had this incredibly awkward year where you had a coach who everybody knew was almost certainly gone at the end of the season and an owner who did not, who basically didn't want to pay two coaches and was willing to kind of put up, put up with that for a year and they went two and fourteen. And the only, but the, the interesting thing is, there were a couple of staff changes that were made that year for the Panthers. And the only way that Fox was able to get some coaches was by saying, "Look, I know this is a one-year thing and it's done, but I promise you that, assuming I land on my feet somewhere else, I will make sure that you're on my staff." Like Tyke Tolbert, who was the Bronco, ended up being a Broncos receivers coach for seven seasons. He joined Fox in 2010, and then when Foxy got the job in Denver in 2011, because as everyone kind of knew, he was unemployed basically for about five minutes before his phone started to ring with head co- with teams that wanted to interview him be their be their head coach. Vic Fangio though doesn't have that luxury. If you bring Vic Fangio back. His ability to attract top-level assistance on a one-year deal is going to be constrained uh, by the fact that if it doesn't work out here, he's going to be a defensive coordinator. He's not going to be deciding on a staff to put together. So he doesn't have that ace in his back pocket to make sure you can still get quality coaches, quality high-level coaches to fill in any vacancies on the staff the way John Fox did. And so that's why between the entire awkwardness and clouds that pervaded throughout the Panther organization in 2010 with Fox in a contract year, plus the fact that Vic would probably struggle to get high-level assistance to fill any vacancies on the staff. That's why I think, to me, having him back in a contract year is not a viable plan. And there's one more caveat and and thing to throw in here, and that's the ownership situation. Does Joe Ellis want to saddle a new owner with a head coach for a four or five year contract when he knows that a new owner is going to be in anywhere from one month to four months after the season, Joe Ellis may say, George, let's ride with this one more season, see how it goes. And then let the new owner help you hire a head coach. And that's something that we just honestly don't know. We don't know how far the Broncos are in on the ownership search. uh, And and we don't know if they are talking back channels about who the new ownership would potentially want. But that is something to keep in mind because that is something that Joel has to be thinking about. And Mace, I want to get your take on the game as we're certainly going to be dive. We're probably going to talk about Vic (laughs) Fangio's job status every single day moving on. And Dylan Smith hits us with a very interesting super chat. He says, I feel like Fangio was hard on lock today at the press conference. It wasn't his fault the wide receivers dropped the ball and offensive line couldn't block anything. And Vic had some very interesting comments about Drew after the game and today when we talked to him. And I want to get your opinion on that. But first, I got to tell you about our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook because DraftKings Sportsbook has upped the ante once again. If you bet $5 on any NFL game, and that team wins, you get $200 in free bets. There's no better way to enter the NFL playoffs than with $200 in free bets. And you can get that by entering the code DNVR over at DraftKings Sportsbook, then betting $5 on any NFL team to win and getting $200 in free bets when that team wins. And on top of that, Mace, you can even do Over at DraftKings Sportsbook, you can do same game parlays. You can do one on Monday Night Football tonight to turn your winnings into even bigger winnings. So make sure to download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR when you sign up to get all of these incredible offers and get in with the best sportsbook app there is. And of course, bet $5 to win $200 in free bets over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Also, I'll tell you about Lightshade Dispensary with 10 soon-to-be 11 convenient Denver metro area and Aurora locations. They are, of course, one of the, they are, of course, a premier dispensary here in Colorado. And 
Right now, you can get a discount by using the code DNVR. That's right. Get the Use the code DNVR. Get 25% off each purchase. You can shop online or visit one of those 10 soon-to-be 11 light shade dispensary locations. Now you can, for example, shop uh, for Escape Artist brand stuff in at light shade dispensary they're the highest awarded topical brand in colorado that prioritizes quality and consistency with ratios available in one-to-one and high ratio cbd 20 to one they will always have you covered with the best materials and ingredients to deliver the premium experience they've got 800 slash 800 creams their escape artist's highest potency creams available these penetrate for deep muscle muscle tissue discomfort they're non-greasy non-staining fast absorbing and take effect in 10 minutes or less with benefits that can last up to two or three hours. And I got to tell you, Zach and everybody listening, these these balms that you can get like escape artist balms over at, at light shade dispensary, these can make a difference. I had, you know, while ago I had some back soreness that was kind of, that was kind of bothering me. And I, and I used these, these cannabis infused creams and you know what? The soreness went away. The soreness went away. I felt better. Help it helped me get back on track. So this stuff is founded and formulated by food and pharmaceutical scientists that believe in a brand that should truly emphasize the Colorado lifestyle of a balanced wellness routine. You know, I don't want to be laid up with back with back issues or muscle joints. I want to get out there hiking. I want to go for long power walks. And this is the sort of stuff that allows me, even as I get into my mid-40s, to be able to do that. So check out those products and more. At Light Shade Dispensary, 10 locations, soon to be 11 in the Denver metro area. Use that code DNVR for 25% off each purchase at Light Shade Dispensary. And check us out, too. Not just Mason and I here, but we have a whole website over at thednvr.com. For those of you tuning into the live stream, we've got a whole website where you can read our articles. You can catch all of our videos. We have so much to offer. And if you become a member over at thednvr.com, you'll get a free T-shirt of your choice. you got to check out the DNVR locker as well, where we have so many cool shirts. And you get the opportunity to leave exclusive comments left here on the podcast, which then we read every single day. So make sure to join our family. Not only do you support us, but you get so many benefits as well. So go to thednvr.com and join our family. And when you do, make sure to drop a comment on the latest pod to say hi. And everyone tuning in on YouTube, please hit us with a thumbs up, subscribe, and turn on alerts. We really appreciate that. Just hitting us with the thumbs up really helps us. So we appreciate all of you guys for tuning in as well. All right, Mace, Dylan Smith left us with the question. How was Drew Locke yesterday? We'll get into to Vic Fangio's comments on him, but I want to know, how do you think Drew Locke did yesterday? I think he did well. I think, I think he did well. I also think, and I know Pat Shermer is absolutely taking it on the chin. I do think that, that Shermer deserves credit for giving Drew Locke a game plan that played to his strengths and minimized his deficiencies as a quarterback. Plenty of play action, which ha- has the function of basically kind of uh, limiting the the field of the field of r- the range of field that Locke is looking at, and that's and allows him to kind of process and go, and go through and go through his progressions. There was a lo- there were a lot of first read things. Drew Locke did what did, made some good decisions, and you know what? I know people don't want to hear checkdowns. Drew Locke made some good checkdown decisions yesterday. Not force, not forcing it. I mean, I made a I made a point of not watching. With the binoculars, usually I like to go binoculars to focus on the line. I wanted to see kind of where the receivers were. Drew's decisions were very good, and they were and they were mostly sensible decisions. And I think a lot of that had to do with with giving him a game plan uh, that that he could work with. So that I think I know people want to see more and more and more from Drew, from Drew Lock, but ultimately the task in that game was to make sure that you played to his strengths and what he can do right now to give the team the best chance to win. He held up his end of the bargain. Now, pro football focus with the grade they put out there, which is right there in Joe Burrow territory. I mean, let's just, let's just be real. His game wasn't in Joe Burrow's class, but it was a good game. He was accurate. He was let down a couple of times by Jerry Judy and Albert Oak Wabanon. And you know what? He got let down yesterday. Uh, the week before, Teddy Bridgewater got let down but by Cortland Sun dropping a touchdown pass. I mean, that, that's the sort of thing that ends up happening. But I give credit to Pat Shermer for giving Drew Locke a good game plan to work with and credit to Drew Locke for, exe- for executing it. It was, a, it, was a, it was a good, solid game for number three. No doubt yeah. about it. 
Yeah, that, that's exactly where I am here. Macy was the, the Broncos' best offensive player yesterday. That doesn't say a lot when you you put up 13 points, and really seven of those were courtesy of the defense. Uh, but uh, he didn't do enough to put the game on his shoulders, but any backup you really shouldn't expect to go out and win the game for your team. Your, your offensive line has to be better. Your receivers have to be better. So there's a lot that could be better. Video uh, yesterday, Drew Locke was up and down today when asked about him, and I thought he was going to give more of an answer that you said, Mace, but instead he decided to say it's hard to assess Drew just because of how bad the offense was. He did say he made some great throws, but then his final assessment was, I wasn't terribly disappointed. Obviously, it could have been better. <laughs> oh, wow, that is tough. I mean, I put it, I asked the question, I put it out there on a tee. I, and, and I said, yeah. well, after the film, because we know Vic always says, I've got to check the film. And so, all right, yeah. after the film, he talked about how the offensive line got beaten in the trenches. And I set that up as part of the question. I, I honestly, you know, I'm not saying that I have an intent, I'm trying to kind of get a specific answer. But I really was trying to kind of frame it in a way where, okay, here's a chance to say something positive about yeah. about Drew, right? Yeah. And, I mean, he acknowledged that the running game, it, the lack of running game made it hard on a quarterback and then said, you know, as a whole offense, it's hard to get a great assessment because they didn't play good enough. Quote, and this is how he closed, you know, I thought he made some good throws. We had a chance on some of them. We didn't quite make them. But I wasn't terribly disappointed in his performance either. <laughs> Obviously, it could be better. I mean, look, Drew Locke didn't have a world-beating performance yesterday. But can you just say the kid did a good job? He did, he did do a good job. He and, and again, like I said, the game plan played to his strengths. He, by and large, executed well. There were more yeah. positives than negatives. Just say, you know, give the kid a pat on the shoulder. Okay? And and Mace, I don't think this is a surprise to anyone, but if Vic Fangio is around next year, I don't think that obviously Drew Locke doesn't have a chance to start, in my opinion. Drew Locke will not be here because we have very, very clearly seen how Vic Fangio feels of Drew Locke here. And it's just he does not believe he's a guy. And maybe that's right because behind the scenes, Drew Locke has proven him right in that. Maybe it's wrong because Vic Fangio won't open his eyes to see what Drew Locke is learning and how he's taking steps. But that is very, very clear. And to, to look at the future, these next two games, Vic Angio last week said that if Teddy's healthy, he's our quarterback. Today we found out that Teddy is still not healthy, still in the concussion protocol. And Vic did say if Teddy is still in the concussion protocol, then the Broncos will plan on Drew Locke starting. So as of now, the Broncos are planning on Drew Locke starting once again, which just from Vic Fangio's comments, Vic cannot be too happy about. And before we go any further, just want to give a shout out to Ian B. He's uh, supporting me in the comments uh, with my question to Vic today. So I see you, Ian B, and really appreciate you. So Mace, outside of uh, head coach and quarterback, what were your other takeaway game yet? I mean, look, you start up front. Let's let's start with the offensive line. Um, Yikes! I I feel a lot of empathy for Austin Schultman today. Yeah. Um, he was he it was bad. I, I I can't mince words. That the Raiders, to their credit, attacked from the center out. They threw they threw some stunts and twists. And as Dalton Reisner pointed out, there were looks that the Raiders gave that that had not been seen on film. And some of that, I think, started from having a young center like Austin Schlotman thrown into the fire with Lloyd Cushenberry on the COVID list. And it, and it just – everything seemed to devolve from the center outward on the offensive line. And they – you know, you'd see like Max Crosby doing a, doing a stunt and coming inside as well. And that there was – you know, there was good reason to do – for the Raiders to do that. They had an excellent game plan up front and – I mean, I think also maybe everyone owes Lloyd Cushenberry a little bit of an apology here because he has gotten better. It hasn't been these huge leaps, but it's been these incremental steps forward here in his second year 
and they missed him up front. They they really they really missed him. Quinn Miners, I thought, had probably his worst game since he stepped in the starting lineup. I don't think it's coincidence that it came without Roy Cushenberry working next to him on one side. So that's that, that's where the run game devolved. That's where some of that's where a lot of Drew Locke's pass protection devolved. It's one reason why, again, like you saw play action and you saw the first read throws. And when your offensive line is struggling, that's a way to kind of allow it to get on its feet. Although even play Drew Drew even got sacked in play action. Now it was coverage sack. Everyone was covered downfield, but the protection broke down. I mean, I credit Drew for not trying to play hero ball for just taking the sack, moving, moving on to the next play. Not, you know, people may say, Oh, he could have thrown it away. Look, the big goal in that situation is don't turn the ball over. Don't give the mm-hmm. opponent a, a short field. Don't end the possession. So Drew, Drew deserves a tip of the, of the cap for that under again, adverse circumstances. So yeah, it was the game. The, the game was lost. The one, and I'll agree with Vic Fangio on this. The game was lost in the trenches on both sides. Yeah. Offensive line got eaten up defensive line. And, and also I'll even include the inside linebacker linebackers in this. Uh, the, the, the inside linebackers were doing, did fine when plays got to the second level, limiting the damage, but up front, they, it was it was a struggle. Front seven wise, Oakland's offensive line mostly dominated. Chubb had we saw Shelby Harris had some flashes. Bradley Chubb had had maybe the biggest flash of his career. What a great read on that developing screen pass before the end of the first half. But by and large, when the Raiders kept it simple and didn't get cute, and it was just about kind of and it was just man on man bully football. The Raiders won the day on both sides of the ball. And unfortunately, Mace, or fortunately for the way some people may be viewing the rest of the season, it's probably not going to get any better for either side of the ball. Just with how bad the Broncos offensive line was yesterday, that concerns me going up against way better fronts in the Chargers and the Chiefs these next two weeks. And then on the defensive side of the ball, we found out Deshaun Williams is out for the rest of the season with an elbow injury. Mike Purcell is potentially entering the COVID protocol, so he could likely be out this week as well, potentially, if he doesn't test out of that. That is very scary news going up against two offenses that can be very explosive. And Mm. you're right, Lloyd Cushenberry, very good day for him yesterday. Unfortunately, I'm sure he would have rather had his team play really well and seen his value kind of slip a little bit. But Lloyd Cushenberry's value went up, and unfortunately it shows that the Broncos – that's they they need some more improvements. I mean, everyone on the offensive line, Garrett Bowles had a bad day. Uh, the interior of the offensive line had a really bad day. And even Bobby Massey had a bad day, which is someone who we, we rarely talk about. And again, this is against a defense that is not very good. Yeah, with, with Cush, a question I ask myself often is, if you bring in a top-level veteran, is he going to be the right guy to work with him? And... I, I get the same kind of vibes that I got with Matt Paradis when he was young. Now, obviously, it came together quicker for Paradis, but but you know he he quickly meshed with Peyton Manning. He got on the same page, and he should you know he you know it, it stands to reason. Matt's a smart guy. Lloyd's a really smart guy, and I think I look at I look at him now, and I can see that if you do trade for Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson, that I think Lloyd will work very well with that quarterback. I think they'll get on the same page really quickly. And I think yesterday showed part of that. You mentioned the D line uh, issues with uh, Deshaun Williams out for the year. Mike Purcell may be going on the COVID list. Draymond Jones clearly struggling with that foot injury. And he actually played, I believe I want to say he played either the, the fewest or the second fewest snaps on the defensive line. It was a pretty liberal rotation, but did not look anywhere close to the Draymond Jones who was in the words of red barber, tearing up the pee patch prior to that foot injury. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're right. And that's unfortunate. And uh, now is the time to shut people down. Mace yesterday, Mm -hmm. it made sense to kind of force guys if they could go to, to have them play. No, it doesn't anymore. Now it's time to shut them down and get everyone healthy for next year and avoid further injury because you're playing to lose now. And you're not going to admit that you're playing to lose and you're playing (laughs) for next year, but this is a way that you do it. As you say, we're going to take our good players that aren't fully healthy. We're going to stash them on the sideline. I doubt Vic Fangio is going to take that approach because he is clearly fighting for his job, but 
wouldn't be that that that's the direction mm-hmm. the Broncos should go. And Mace, the direction that we should go, we got to hit a couple super chats right now. Want to hear from the people who are tuning in live? First one came in from Edward Keating, our guy. It says hashtag Fire Fangio. I am so sick of him, and I think that's the 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 feeling that a lot of Broncos country is feeling. Like I said, very polarized. Some people want him gone, don't even want to hear another word. And other people say, I kind of like what this defense is doing. Let's just fire Shermer. Uh, But I I can almost guarantee that there will be change with one of, at least one of those two guys at the end of the year. Yeah. And I think yesterday, if let's say the Broncos had lost because their offense had given the ball away and you know, they, that they had a huge advantage in yardage, but the defense was put in bad situations and that's what caused the Broncos to lose the game. I think people will be a little bit more forgiving of Vic Fangio right now, but the fact that you lost this game, you were gashed on the ground uh, by a team that doesn't have the dynamic vertical element to its game because it didn't have Darren Waller and it ha- doesn't have Henry Ruggs anymore. I think, I think that plus even the snafu in the third quarter game management wise on the McManus field goal. I think that may have tapped into and drained uh, the reservoir of what was left of Fangio support in Broncos country. Yeah, it, it's a it's a really good point there, Mesa. And next yeah. one from Denny. He says, just give us a super chat. We really appreciate that, Denny. Thank you yeah. so much for tuning in. And then next one from Ian B says, how do we feel about Anthony Lynn? Oh, I mean, uh, yeah, that's how I feel. I, I don't think you can. And now, Anthony, I like, Lynn, him, pers- I like him personally, okay, because he coached here under Mike Shanahan. I've talked to him a few times over the years. He's a he is a quality human being. Mm-hmm. He also got stripped of play calling responsibilities in Detroit this year after being with the Chargers in recent years as, as their head coach. Um, I mean. If you want to kind of, yeah, I look, if you want to tap into the Mike Shanahan tree, I get the logic there. I just think that maybe you probably need to look at some of the other branches. If you will, if you really want to go the Mike Shanahan tree route. Yeah, man, the way that you would have convinced yourself to go this direction is if he went into Detroit and had a killer year as the offensive coordinator and make Jared Goff look really good. Uh, if he had, had that he had, team. Yeah, if he had, he's top of a lot of lists. Exactly, because he he was a 500 coach during his time with the Chargers. He was not an utter failure. They gave him multiple years, probably more than he should have, because they believed in him. But then you would not just be hiring a guy that is coming with a really bad offense that lost some of his job, like you said, lost play calling responsibilities in Detroit, but also his final season in LA was just a year ago. And it was just marked by error after error that he made. I mean, a lot of people in Los Angeles think that Chargers would have been a playoff team last year if it weren't for Anthony Lynn and just how the Chargers just continued to blow things. So you, you can't do Anthony Lynn. Maybe that's a guy we're talking about, Mason, one year from now. If they stick with Vic Fangio for one more year and things mm-hmm. don't go right, maybe that's a guy who, if he's able to turn it around in Detroit, or maybe he even gets fired, and then we're probably not talking about him. But uh, I see where you're coming at, EMB, but Broncos can't do it. He's got to be a he's got to be a better game manager than he has been as well. Yeah. You mentioned with the Chargers, game management was always an issue in the Anthony Lynn era. Unfortunately, again, pains me to say it because I really like the man. Exactly. And last super chat from Hayden says 100% right, Mace. It seems that Fangio sees Locke doing well as Vic making a mistake by picking Teddy. Smacks of ego. Have a happy New Year's, boys. Yeah, I, I get that. I'm not sure it's that. I I do. I do think some of the feelings stem to what happened the week of the Saints game last year and the actions of the quarterback room leaving the entire team without a quarterback for a game. I think mm-hmm. that's – and yes – Vic Fangio is culpable in this to some degree because he didn't keep a COVID quarterback separate from the rest of that room. But I do, which he but has I do. done these past couple of weeks now. Yeah, to, but to I, make sure that yeah. doesn't happen. Right, but I, I do think that uh, the events of that week still kind of they're they're in Vic Fangio's mind in terms of his perception of number three. Yeah. Now, Mace, one thing we can all agree upon, whether you're for Vic, Mm -hmm. not for Vic, is taking care of your teeth is pretty important, regardless of who you are. And our friends over at Green Mountain Dental are the best in the business. 
and the Denver metro area at doing that. They've been part of our family over at Green Mountain Dental for many years. And so you should join their family as well because you'll get to not only support one of our partners, but you'll get to talk Colorado sports when you visit them. And if you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, they'll hook you up with a free Sonicare toothbrush. That's right. All you have to do is do what you're already going to do. Go to the dentist and you'll get a free Sonicare toothbrush to take care of your teeth the best way possible for the couple for the many months that you aren't visiting the dentist. So check them out. They're only a 15 minute drive from downtown Denver. Like I said, a longtime DNVR partner so supporting them is supporting us and schedule that cleaning x-ray exam over in Green Mountain Dental to get free Sonicare toothbrush. Sounds great. I mean, that is a by the way, I have a Sonicare toothbrush myself. That is, that is the real deal. This isn't like getting a ball game uh, windbreaker giveaway or something like that. This is a real good toothbrush. It's going to be it'll promote good brushing habits. So you also want to have good pizza eating habits, right? Who want who doesn't of want course. a course? Yeah, who doesn't want a good pizza? Well, it, you can find the best pizza in Denver over. From our friends at Sexy Pizza. Of course, if you've come out to the DNVR Broncos tailgate before home games, you've had some of that sexy pizza. Boy, oh boy, I had a slice of the green chili pizza before the Bengals game, Zach. Magnificent. I mean, pizza doesn't get more Denver than that. One one thing that has changed about me forever because my years in Denver is green chili works on pizza, and sexy pizza does it very very well. Of course, Sexy Pizza is as local as it gets. They've been in the Denver community for 13 years, which is why you can get the green chili pizza there. They're all about local. They're all about Denver. But, of course, the pizza style, it's New York style. It's a hand-tossed deck oven pizza with made from scratch dough. They make it from scratch each morning. You can choose from their array of toppings. I'll go with the green chili. The pepperoni is good as well if you want to keep it simple. If you want to go for some kind of exotic combination, they've got you covered over at Sexy Pizza. With a 12, 16, or 18-inch crust, Sexy Pizza is sure to be the right fit. They've also got all the fixings you want on the side. Wings, salad, pasta, garlic knots. They've got dessert options. They've also got vegan options if you're trying to keep vegan. If you want to go vegan and gluten-free, they've got 12-inch gluten-free crust. So for whatever your dietary needs are in a pizza, Sexy Pizza is going to have you covered. So check out any of their four Denver locations in Capitol Hill, Old South Pearl, Jefferson Park, and Park Hill, and location number five in Colorado down in Trinidad just opened. So check out any of those five Sexy Pizza locations in Colorado and get the best pizza you'll find here in the state. It is bowl season officially here for us. And if you want to illuminate your game day experience, there's no better way than with our friends over at Saturday Neon. At Saturday Neon, they offer the best signs, neon signs that you can find anywhere. They're not only huge, but they are beautiful. I mean, it's a piece of art just with that. And then you also get to support your team. So check them out over at SaturdayNeon.com and use the code DNVR10 for 10% off probably want to get this for yourself because it's so dang cool but if you want to give it as a gift get 10 percent off by using that code dnvr they have signs for the buffs for the rams uh be in that they're a colorado-based company uh they they both graduated from the university of colorado so you can support a local company while also getting something so cool they also are expanding to cover more schools so check them out if they have your school there over at saturdayneon.com and use the code dnvr10 for 10% off the purchase. All right, Mace, let's hop into the comment section and talk to the people that have left comments. And then there's a lot that want their voice to be heard after the season has once again ended in no playoffs. So let's hop into the comment section. First one coming in from Phil8841. I know there had there excuse me, he said, I know there has been and will be lots of talk about the offense, and I won't rehash that other than to say I thought Drew played well under the circumstances, but his teammates did nothing to help out. Agree with RK that this shows a Bridgewater experiment was a failure. I also say that the defense held this team. They deserve a decent portion of blame in this game. In the second half, the Broncos only got the ball three times. The Raiders had drives of 9, 8, 13, and 8 plays and never punted. The only stop was the fumble in Broncos territory. The Raiders just literally ran out the clock on them. I'm not sure you can be called an elite defense if you can't get a stop when you need one. Time to clean house again and take another swing. Got to hit one of these times, right? Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I don't think you clean house in terms of the roster. There's a lot of talent there. But, um, yeah, 
if they don't get if they don't get two wins here the rest of the way, Zach, they have the longest run of losing seasons in Bronco history since the franchise uh since the franchise started. I mean so or the franchises start, pardon me, when they went from sixty to seventy two without a winning season. I mean what do you claim? What do you claim to here? And I'm glad, Phil, that you mentioned the defense because I, I I think they're they're quite culpable in this defeat because they couldn't get off the field, they couldn't stop the run, they were bullied at the line of scrimmage. It, that's uh, that has to be discussed. I mean, I think you know you look at some of the, like the raw, <laughs> you look at some of the raw at the raw things on the offense or on the defense. Pardon me, and you you know points per game they're they're going to look great. I mean. Think uh, Ben Albright put it out there that as long as they don't allow 35 points to the Chargers, they're going to will have allowed fewer points in 16 games than the 2015 defense did. But then you go to the deeper indicators. You look at DVOA, for example, and it tells a different story. You look at points per possession. It tells a, it tells a different story. This is a good defense. It's not a great defense. Yeah, exactly. Next one from Pig Tosser 66. Guys, I know 2015 was only six years ago, but it may as well have been 60 years ago, which is how much the NFL has changed since then. Offense is what the NFL wants to see, and any team that isn't looking to take advantage of the, all the rules as part of their philosophy is a misguided franchise. You cannot consistently win the way we are trying to. You cannot. And Vic actually was asked about this today. He said, you try to win with uh, great defense, low-scoring games, uh, and uh, that hasn't, we, you know, is that what you guys are trying to do? And Vic said, we're trying to score points. And the, the more Vic talks about this offense, the more he is disappointed with Pat Shermer and the job he has done. And that's just why uh, I don't think Vic would end up being a guy to say, uh, I would rather lose my job than have to fire my coaches. I think he would be willing to move on from Pat Shermer and keep his job. I think so too. I, I don't. I don't think he's going to make the decision that Mike Munchak made in Tennessee after 2013. Right. Munch didn't want to fire his staff, and so he fell on the sword. Yep. Exactly. I don't think Vic's doing that. And then Pick Tosser 66 goes on to say, uh, "What can can George Payton convince Vic Fangio to stay as defensive coordinator?" No, I mean that that's just something that that does not happen. There would be no precedent for that. Don't plan on that. Yeah, I think uh, if you if you if you're not going to have Vic Fangio as the head coach. You have to accept that he's going to be somewhere, and maybe even with the Chargers, where he's somewhere who can actually he can actually cause you some damage. Yikes! That would not be good. Orlando Bronco four twenty. Watching this game just made me mad, but not because our offense or our defense ran through all night, but because Drew is clearly better than Teddy. His problems are all mental, and you have to give a guy more than one year to develop on the mental side of the game. If he shows he has the other tools, everybody was so quick quick to write him off. You guys even said if he's a first round pick, he would have gotten more time. He had one year when the whole team was hurt. So many guys, so many things went against him that year. It's so frustrating watching him ball out and just wonder what could have been if he had started since week one. I think we'd be a 10 win team. At least he showed he can hit the deep balls and showed he can even manage a game tonight. He was a better Teddy Bridgewater. If we would have been able to run the ball even a little bit, we would have won. The Raiders said, we're not going to let you run. Drew Locke beat us. And if it wasn't for the receivers forgetting how to catch, I think he would have. If Teddy starts another game this season, I'll be seriously disappointed. Drew should be our guy for the rest of the season. Also, Zach, I'm going to send you some wet naps for that egg on your face. LOL. Sorry for the rant. Keep you, keep you guys, or you guys are the shit. Keep being great. We appreciate that Orlando Bronco 420. Um, I do think we need to pump the brakes on just saying playing would have made Drew Locke better. Yeah. Uh, if if playing would have made players better, then there would be a lot of guys that are still in the league because a lot of guys got opportunities and just aren't the guy. I mean, do, do we forget that he led the league in interceptions last year? Yesterday was a good step in the right direction, Mace. I just... Drew Locke is not the answer for this team, whether he started in week one or not. Right. He still has three giveaways in, I believe, uh, what is it now, 23 possessions over the course of the year yeah. that he's let, 23 non-kneel down possessions. That's that, that's not viable. I think, again, they gave they, they they gave him a game plan that, that works to his strengths. It was pared down. Frankly, Zach, it reminded me of some of the Rich Gangrello game plans of two years ago in terms of the types of passes. And if we're still having to do this with Drew Locke here in year three, you know, how long is it going to take? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I completely agree with you. Mace. Both these things can be true. Drew executed the game plan very well, but the fact that the game plan had to be limited 
shows that he's a long way off from being a viable franchise quarterback. And Mace, like I said last week, the, the thing I was most concerned about with Drew starting these last three games is people, uh, including the Broncos, are going to get fooled into thinking Drew Locke's the guy. Now, I don't think the Broncos are going to get fooled into that, but that's that's the worst thing is to roll with this quarterback room for another year mm-hmm. thinking maybe you found something because we, we know that mm-hmm. you need to go a different direction now. And Greendale, human being, leaves a comment kind of going along these lines, says, hey, y'all, what a rough game, especially against the Raiders. Totally agree with Ryan's sentiment following the game. Going with Teddy was the wrong choice looking back at it now. I guess the wide receivers developed soft hands from Teddy never throwing it to them, and that's why they drop passes all game. Would it make sense trying to keep Ed Don this year, trying to deep scheme together, or do you think they clean house and they put up another dud when they get smoked by the Chargers and back up Chiefs? Depends who you hire as a head coach. I, If you hire an offensive-minded head coach, I would think long and hard about bringing Ed Dontel back if he wants to come back. He he may he may not he he may not want to stick around. So that I think that depends a little bit on on Ed. But I would not mind schematic continuity. And if that meant Ed was calling the defensive plays, I'd be fine with that. Yeah, my biggest thing is whoever the next head coach is, you should hire him and give him the reins. And if he really wants Ed Donatel, sure, mm-hmm. bring Ed Donatel back. But uh, yeah, I don't, I would not force a coach on a new coach at all. Uh, we we know how well that works, more. by the way. We yes, we know seriously. I'm being sarcastically but sarcastic, but yeah, we know how well that works when you force a coach on the staff on a new guy. Skang, Skangarello and Vic. Yeah. <laughs> Omaha says I'm out on Jerry Droppy. Could be a hot take for sure, but in the last six years have taught me anything. It's how it's to know when to trust my gut on any given player, coach, GM, or scheme. Looking ahead, it would make absolutely perfect sense to include him in any package that would bring us a quarterback. He's still young enough and still has a little first-round shine remaining to garner some value. Also, would y'all lock stance please stop? He ain't it. Nor is Teddy, nor is Vic, Pat, John Elway, or the Bolin family. Come to the light that is George Payton. He is the only ray of hope this franchise possesses. Him (laughs) in the DNVR, of course. Happy New Year's, fellas. God bless. Thank you so much, Omaha. We really appreciate those sentiments. I do have to say one thing about Judy, though, and the drops. If you go by the data from Sport Radar this year, that was his first drop. Hmm. He's really improved on that. He has. And so I'm not, I mean, it was tough. He, yes, he's got to make that catch. But I think while you're disappointed with the injury that is kind of that, that kept him from playing a bunch of games at the start of the year, if you told me that in terms that, he would go through the season, I, be, I believe, with uh, with with what he's had um, forty on target passes, and he would have one drop. So one drop of, of forty potentially catchable passes, I, I would have taken it in a heartbeat. I would have said that that's a great sign for his future. Yet there's just so many other things that have not been given people hope, Mace. Yeah. I, I agree. I'm I'm still optimistic on Jerry Judy. I am definitely not out on him. By I agree, and, and and because of that, I do think Omaha has a point that uh, mm. I think he would be appealing to another mm. team in a, in a potential trade package. I I think so, and I know I, I did. Peter King not mention his name uh, in his piece this morning, as if the Broncos did trade for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I believe he mentioned the notion of the Broncos signing Devontae Adams and then sending Jerry Judy back to the Packers in a trade for Aaron Rodgers. Mm, yep, that could be pretty enticing for a team. Holy, that'd be, that, that would be the most expensive receiving room by far in league history. It, yes, <laughs> there's no doubt about that. And final comment coming in from Sir James Radio. We got to give a birthday shout-out because he hey. says, Today's my 33rd birthday, and I'm going to the game this Sunday in L.A., but I'm now realizing I have an issue. Due to my weight loss over the past year, 137 pounds. None of my jerseys fit anymore. Wow. Thankfully, nice. my new DNVR shirt is a perfect fit and will be rocked during the game. If anyone is attending, let's organize a meetup before the game or something. Would love to see Mace as well, though I know you're a little busy with, well, work in the Broncos. Go Broncos and go DNVR. Well, happy birthday, Sir James Radio. Congratulations on that incredible weight loss over the past year. Congratulations. Although he's changed his handle, he's now Sir James Says. Yes, not Sir is. James Radio. So yes, but yeah, congratulations on what you've accomplished the past year. That's that's tremendous. And uh, you know, knock knock on wood. Uh, 
everything will be cool and uh, hopefully run into you in Los Angeles this weekend. Yeah, enjoy the game. And Mace, we're going to be back breaking down the game the rest of this week. And before we get out of here, got to give a shout out to our friends over at Green Mountain Dental one more time. All you have to do is schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, and you'll get a free Sonicare toothbrush from them. So many people at DNVR have gone over to Green Mountain Dental to get their teeth taken care of, and they all come back with fantastic reviews just about how they truly do treat them like, like family, and that's so important when you're getting work done to your teeth. So make sure to check them out over in Green Mountain Dental. Schedule that cleaning, x-ray, and exam, and get a free Sonicare tooth. But for today, that's do it. For Andrew Mason, I'm Zach Stevens. Thank you all so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it. We're going to be here breaking down everything with the Broncos' future, what they should do with head coach, quarterback, if they'll win this weekend, and what they're going to do moving forward. So keep rolling with us. We'll be back tomorrow on the DNVR Broncos podcast. Roll out the truck and took a country drive. I'll take